And now, the Saxinian family presents Let's Rage Coup, streaming on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Let's Rage Cougs. I am Chris Gardner. Don't worry, Coug fans. Andy Yanez is at TDE Stadium getting post-game from Coach Hogerson, and he will join and replace me as soon as he can. But joining me is Theon Dunlap. How are you, my man? Oh, man, I'm doing well, doing well. Cougs win on this Saturday, homecoming. Way to take care of business. That's it, really. Um, Cougs won 42-27. You see the numbers going across the screen. They improved to five and three. Mr. Mr. Dunlap, you have had in the past, recent past, some questions or doubts about Clayton Toon as a quarterback. What are your thoughts on today? 31-37, four TDs. How did he do in your opinion? He went about the business of taking care of business. I mean, uh, another mediocre team this week. And um, he did what he was supposed to do. You got to give credit where it's due. He had a good game. He played well. He looked like a fifth-year senior quarterback should look, in my opinion, with the, in, in a system that he's been in for, what, three three years now? Yep. And I think you're being kind saying South Florida is mediocre. They had yep. one win <laughs> going in. Uh, but this was a good win. It was a solid win, a team that the Cougs are better than, and they got it done. So you're watching us on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. Give us comments in the in the comments section of the Paul Slam Jam on Twitter account or Andy Yanez on Twitter, A Yanez underscore five on Twitter. So feel free to add your comments. And Dayon, before we get into comments, folks, the coups won today. Homecoming, victory. Y'all gotta show love when the team wins. Don't just hop on board when they lose. You're gonna vent and all those kind of things. Yeah, I know, right? Come on, show some love, watch the channel, watch the the coups won today. It's time to raise in a positive way. So give us your comments. Give us your thoughts on what you saw. Everybody ate today. Clayton Toon got his yard, four TDs. Tank Dale got two TDs. Keyshawn Carter got a TD. Stacey Steen got two TDs as running back. So, folks, there's a lot of positive to talk about. Yes, we know South Florida is not a great team. I mean, there's only a handful of good teams in the conference. That's not the Cougs' problem. The Cougs won. Thank you, King. Thank you. That's where we're here. Let's get some positivity because y'all know you watch us many times this season. Dion and myself, Andy, Justin, everybody, we give it to you straight. When the Cougs stink, we say so. When they play well, we're going to say so. Give them credit. So y'all do the same thing. So the team some love today. Dion, what's different in the play call? Why are they more, so more aggressive now than they were at the start of the season? I guess it just adjustment. I mean, you got to give credit to the to staff for making that adjustment, being more aggressive, taking more shots downfield, and spreading the ball around. I mean, that's you said it right. Everybody ate today. Um, Snee ate ten carries, sixty yards, two TDs. Uh, Carter had over hundred yards. Tang did his normal thing, and even Brown continued his strong play. So the playmakers have been there. I think, like you just said, it's an adjustment in play calling, being more aggressive, and also starting fast. Once again, yes. they did that last week. They scored on their first possession. They did it again this week, and they're able to, to keep it on. I know the defense gave up a couple early touchdowns, but they played complimentary football. Once they got that stop, 
for and they missed the field goal. The offense went right down and scored, and then it kind of trickled on. They continued to play well. And so, I mean, you got, I got to give them credit both sides of the ball. And they both um, played well today for the most part, especially the offense. They, they really had it clicking again for the second week in a row. Agreed. And the defense, I think South Florida's formations, lineups, caused some problems early for the Cougs defense because there were a couple drives after Houston went up seven zip. South Florida's offense, man, it, it looked like all world. Mm-hmm. Like Houston had no idea what they were expecting. And they got gaslight running game. Uh, Brian Matee, running back in South Florida, he nice. put up big numbers. He's, he's, he's legit. He may be short, but he put up big numbers for them. But adjustments, as you said, they made adjustments and they handled the formations and slowed down the Bulls' offense. And the Cougs' offense really clicked for most of the football game and they got the win, the 3-1 and in conference, so they still have a chance to play in the conference championship game, which is still the goal for this team. So that's a positive, right? Yep, definitely a positive. Um, a couple of things got to fall in their direction, as they mentioned during the broadcast, but control what you could control. And they did that these last couple of weeks, uh, beating the Navy team that they should be, they beating the South Florida team that they should be. I think you just keep riding the wave, keep riding the momentum, keep doing what's working, but more importantly, keep being aggressive. Yes. I mean, you have the playmakers, you, you've been having them. It's on, he's taking care of the ball. That's the main thing as well. He's taking care of the ball and I put it in harm's way. He's having, he, he has time to throw the football. One that deep pass to tank his long touchdown came off a of play action. So that, that lets me know the running back game is still being effective and not being one dimensional. And I think overall, man, like I think just got to keep stacking the days, keep stacking the days. And so um, I'm not really too high uh, on this win. I mean, like, like, um, uh, King Jaja said they look good and they, they they another positive step in the right direction for sure. And and this comment from Ti as well, yeah. Progress. That's that's what this is. Yeah. All of us were frustrated and disappointed in the the poor start to this season. Conference play is here. The opposition, the level of talent is not the same as it was non-conference. But that's not the Cougs' fault. Yeah. We would be just livid if they would have lost in Memphis. A loss to South Florida, lost to Navy. But that comeback, that fourth quarter comeback in Memphis, has salvaged their season and turned it around, and the Cougs are winning. So, so let's accept that and keep the train rolling. That's all That's all we can ask for. Tony M., thank you for joining. Thank you, as always, for your support on the channel. And once again, as you're tuning in to Less Rage Cougs, Andy Inez, the host, the creator of this show, he is at TD. ECU Stadium, getting post-game comments from Coach Hogerson and probably Clay Tune and others. So once he gets that done and he'll upload some of those comments, we will play that here on the show for you. But keep tuning in, and we're going to talk about it. And once again, if you missed the, the stat line, 42-27 for the Cougs. Clay Tune, quarterback, 31 for 37, 380 yards passing, four touchdowns. Eight different receivers caught passes today, so they spread around the attack. Offense, the rushing game was solid. The defense was solid after that slow start, kind of mid-first quarter, second quarter. But they adjusted, and they got the win. SMU, it's not the Cougs' fault they're not playing Cincinnati and UCF in conference play. They did not make the schedule. <laughs> you know, it's not yep. their fault they're playing the rest of the, the bottom feeders of the conference. 
their on paper last tough opponent in the conference is East Carolina. East Carolina. That's gonna be tough. ECU beat BYU last yeah. night. And that's going to be a road game for the Cougs. So that's going to be a tough, tough task for Houston. But we're talking about it. Going to focus on homecoming. I got to say it. I'm waiting for the attendance number. Yeah. Man, I, I, I was, I knew better because I said it last last week on the show on our folks talking sports. I knew better. I knew good and well there was not going to be thirty thousand fans at the stadium today. I'm waiting for the official number because man, upper decks look empty just completely empty i felt bad when they showed the highlights of some of the deep passes that clayton Toon <laughs> completed and you see the, the, the camera <laughs> angles of the upper deck <laughs> nobody there man so kook fans tell me about that the early start too early for you it wasn't hot it wasn't humid which is a big issue in september so what was it were we uh, depressed about the astros losing game one world series last night why do you come to the game? Why do you support the Cougs for homecoming? Or are you trying to get into Fertitta Center to watch the Duke-Houston scrimmage in men's basketball? <laughs> what, what was it? What kept you from TD ECU Stadium? Because, again, damn, you know I beat this drum a lot. Go see the Cougs, not the opponent. You know South Florida's not a great team, not a great record, but go support mm-hmm. the alma mater. Because if we don't do it, who will? Right. And yeah, I mean, it's not really much to add. You hit, you hit it right on the head. Come out and support. And you know what's very surprising to me in which it's telling to us. We talk about this all the time and how they support winning teams. When Houston is winning, they'll come out to support. You know who's doing a really good job right now is the volleyball team. Yep. For them to have over a thousand people in attendance at a volleyball game in Fertitta Center, that says a lot. Yes, not sir. only about in context of what we're talking about, Houston fans supporting Houston, but they'll support you when you win. And so the football team, I, I think that just says they're not fully believers in the football program overall. I don't know whether the staff, what it, I'm not going to point it to one specific thing. I'm just going to say overall, I don't know, they, they are not supporting it. But at the same time, maybe they are. That's just what you get. I, um I, I can't I can't really say. I, I, I do think if the season they would have got that win at tech, it would have been a different crowd against Kansas and then let the chips fall where they may. But once again, it's just Houston being Houston fans and Coog fans being Coog fans. Yeah, and we like we love a winner. And I say that because I am an alum. Yep. Folks don't know who I am. I am an alum. Yep. The the loss at Tech, they, they were disappointing. Okay, understand that. But still, support the football team. Be critical of them when it's justified. But when they're winning, support them. Give them credit when it's due. But be critical when, it, when it's also worthwhile. But hey, 42-27, take the W. SMU next. It's important because... SMU has kind of underachieved this season, but it's important because it's a game in Texas. Texas opponent, SMU is probably going to try to make one last stand and send the Cougs out uh, of the American with a loss and say, see, we're, we're worthy of Big 12. You guys aren't. So there's going to be some kind of that personal stuff going on too. But that's the next game for the Cougs. Cougs are 3-1 in conference. 
They still have a chance. Yes, they need help from other teams in the conference, but they they still have a chance to participate in the AAC championship game. Most likely they'd be on the road. But hey, get there. Just get there. Get there. Give yourself a chance, and who knows what, what will happen. You think it's a chance if Houston wins out, they could potentially get in that ranking, get in and get cracked back in the top 25? Of the the CFP rankings or the coaches poll or the AP poll? AP poll or coaches poll? Possibly. But not the CFP rankings because they haven't beat anybody, you know, left on the schedule. Nothing, you know, nobody significant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's just. But that's part of the losses non-conference. You had the chance with better opponents and didn't get it done. So that's the issue there. And and we'll see how it all plays out. Looks like Andy's slowly but surely trying to join us here and waiting for uh, maybe he'll send a video. I'm going to play that comments from Dana Hogerson. But, you know, comment like this. This is an honest comment. I'll get it up here. T.I. Fan support live. It was it was rough to see. You know, and some of us, if you have, if you had to go to work, pay the bills, hey, we understand that. That's no, no shade on anybody who had to work. But if you had free time today and you're a Coug alum, a Coug fan, football fan, 11 o'clock tip off, one too hot, one too humid, why weren't you at TDECU Stadium today? So, but yeah, uh, sh- the clip from Dana will be loading shortly, and we'll play it. Kind of curious to hear what Coach had to say. I'm, I'm pretty confident he was much more in a happier mood than he than he has been at some points this season. But one more time, the Coos got the win. Solid performance from Clayton Toon. All right, Andy said it's ready. Let me see if I can see it here. Clayton, he he seems to look really good against opponents that aren't very good, and that's an honest. <laughs> Assessment. I mean, that's that's honest assessment. He looks but, good. You would think, like, dang, this. Is, you would think that. You would think that he's. I don't know what to say. I mean, he yeah, he was in, he was in control. He was more. Uh, overall, he just made better throws, more confidence, accurate, accurate, but confident. Level of competition is is a thing too for Clayton Toon, apparently. But here we go. Let's pull up some comments from uh, Coach Anna Hogerson after the Cougs. 42-27 homecoming win over South Florida. Starts up front uh, for the third week in a row. I thought we've played better. You know, I was critical of those guys earlier in the year. Uh, we we can't get anything going if they're not if they're not doing uh, their job. So you know, it starts there. Tight ends included. When it comes to that, just blocking people, sustaining blocks, giving them time to uh, to throw, and then routes developing, gaining confidence with guys that are in the right spots at the right times to make plays downfield. So it, I, he's playing the same. Our offense is jelling around him, you know. So I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know. I just gave him a game ball that had ten thousand yards on it, right? I mean, you know, I coached Case when when I was here the first time, and to have him in the same same uh, conversation as Case Keenum and Kevin Cobb. You know, I mean, we're not talking about Andre Ware and David Klingler because they didn't, they didn't stack the years, you know, that that those guys did. But um, it, it's awesome to, to, to see that because he's very deserving of what he's accomplished over the last seven years. As a quarterback guy, the 10,000 yards is not chunk change by any means. I mean, is that, when you look at that number, uh, I mean, it's longevity, you know, you play a lot, but he's also had a lot of success. 
Yeah, I mean, I've coached a few good ones, so you know, those, those, you know, he, he's he's in that same conversation. I don't want to go back and start talking, comparing, and all that stuff. It ain't fair to anybody, but he's playing really well, and he's getting some credit that he deserves. And our conference player of the week the last two weeks, um, these stats here are better than they were the last couple of weeks. So maybe I get it three times in a week, but uh, very deserving of the recognition that's coming into way right now. A couple more. Yeah, Dana, going into the week, you were talking about just special teams, especially kickoff, obviously didn't let anything lose. Did you see that sort of improvement that you were wanting to see from kickoff coverage in terms of? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nothing nothing happened that was detrimental to our team, you know, so uh, Keyshawn made a great play at the end of the game, you know, the, on that handstand. That's a hard play to make right there. I, I thought it was a flag. The guy can't hit him. He's supposed to be protected. But, um, <clears throat> you know, but yeah, we, we did a good. I mean, we kicked the ball well, um, we punted, we, we covered well. These guys are extremely dangerous, some of the best in the country, and we handle it well. One more. Penalties, Dana. Uh... They, started, they started coming back. I mean, I, I don't understand why you throw flags at the end of the game when we got second and third team people in there. We're just trying to run the game out. Uh, there's a couple of stupid things that happened that hasn't, that hasn't showed up in a month. So I got to go start talking about it again. So we'll coach it hard. Uh, I thought we've done a good job of coaching and cleaning up some technique stuff. Uh, there's there's dumb stuff that happened again. Well, we will address it and hopefully improve on it next week. Starts up front. And there we go from uh, Coach Dana Hogerson, post-game comments from him. And you see right there we got the, I guess, secondary sponsor because it shows the main sponsor is the Saxonian family, but we have Hoop and Holler Houston, the Houston Sports Collective. We'll be sponsoring this segment for, oh, next 30 minutes or so. And at the bottom of the uh, hour, I guess I like saying that in Radio Talk, Media Talk, we'll have our commercial from Sac Ave. So that'll be Star Pizza promotion. But once again, what are your thoughts on what you heard from Coach Hogerson there, Dayon? One thing that stuck out to me that he said that Clayton has been playing the same way, but the offense is gelling around him. Yeah. That's 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 interesting right there. That's interesting right there. I don't know if he's played the same way over the last three second half of Memphis in the last two games. I'll give him that. But before before that, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. But I do think everything else, the offensive line, front line is gelling. They've been giving him a ton of protection, which he's had pretty. He's had time to throw um, a lot this year, but over the last few weeks, they've really, really protected him really well. But from some of um, our, our listeners and people we have participated, I got a question for you guys, in which you can answer, comment. Where do you, Clayton Toon rank amongst Houston's quarterbacks? You know, he cracked ten thousand yards, and he's on the list with Clayton, uh, with um, Case Keenum and Kevin Cobb. So I'm just interested from your guys' thoughts. I know my thoughts, but I want to from a different perspective on um, where he ranks. But overall, I think the offense is just it's just gelling, and I think if we get that. Same production from the quarterback that we are getting now. I think the season may be different early, different results early on that they're getting. But I mean, you got to give credit to the coaching staff for making those adjustments, playing from playing as good as he's playing, giving those receivers chances, and they're actually making the plays. And so it's it's an all around effort right now. And I, I want to say this to kind of piggyback on what you just said. Clayton has played better. Second half Memphis in the last two games, but maybe that's also because 
they've been more aggressive in the play calling. Yep. To allow him to play better. They stopped being conservative. And so I think that's part of it as well. He's played better, maybe because they've allowed him to throw the ball down the field more and spread the ball around more. So it kind of goes hand in hand. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious as well. What do you guys rank Clayton Toon in a Houston quarterback annals? How, how, how high does he rank? Um, and if he doesn't rank high, why not? So give us your comments here on the Houston Round Bar View uh, YouTube channel for the, in the comment section. But also watch us on Twitter at Paul Sama Jamma and Andy Yanez Twitter account, A Yanez underscore five. Both of those on Twitter, Paul Sama Jamma, P A W D S L A M A J A M A. So, but hit us up, comments on the YouTube channel. And again, <clears throat> the Coos won. Support the Cougs. Give us, give us your comments. We don't just want this show to be popular when the Cougs lose. We want this show to be popular, period, win or lose. So got a huge numbers of less rage Cougs when the Cougs lost, and we were ready to, to get rid of Dana and, and start mm-hmm. all over, and, and the program needs to fire Shannon Dawson and, and do all these kind of things. But when the Cougs win, maybe it's because it's an afternoon kickoff or morning kickoff, and now the game is over. And we're in the afternoon and everybody's out and about. Well, technology, you can watch this show mm-hmm. on your phone. <laughs> so we can go wherever you go. So give us your comments and just talk about the positives of the team or the reality of the opponent. We know that. We, we know South Florida's not a great team. But the Cougs won. And the game wasn't in doubt. Okay? So that's what you want. Beat the team you're supposed to beat. That's what the Cougs did today. Offense, more aggressive. The defense, I think, had uh, three sacks and seven tackles for loss. How many tackles for loss? Let me see if I can pull it up here. Yeah, three sacks and seven tackles for loss. So the defense got it done. But the one negative in penalties came back again. The penalties were an issue, but it didn't hurt the team. But they still managed to score 42 points in turnovers for 95 yards. So that was probably the biggest negative overall in the game in addition to that uh, the defensive issues in the, the laps of South Florida's formations gave them problems and running game really gassed the Cougs defensive line early you know I was it was kind of concerning I'm like the run game of South Florida was just big big holes for a little while but yeah made the adjustments and got that done and this <clears throat> better rhythm in the play calling yeah I agree with that from from King so the time off, the week off may have helped. Shannon Dawson, Dana may have been talking and said, look, we got to throw the ball downfield more. We got to spread it around more. Whatever, whatever adjustments they've made, they've worked. We'll see what they do against SMU. The Cougs need to run the table to give themselves a chance to compete in the AAC championship game, but at least they're doing that. We can and talk the, about Big 12, all that kind of stuff later on. But right now, they're still in the AAC. Go ahead, man. Yeah, and another um, thing I want to add to what you, what you were saying, another positive thing um, with the offense and rhythm is Sneed. The last couple of weeks, Sneed has looked really, really good. I'm, I love his vision, his explosiveness, his elusiveness. I think he's given that extra element to the running game that they need to keep the defense honest to allow Clayton Toon to take those shots and to make the play action more effective whenever they, they fake the run. The defense has to play honest. And so 
I, I got to give credit to Snead. I know we've been talking about the quarterback and the receivers. And, and also, they've been more intentional with targeting Tank early. Yes. I think that that's another good adjustment that they made. I know he averages maybe 10 targets a game, but I think he should get maybe 12 to 15. But been very intentional with getting him the ball early just to make the defense, which I know he's at the top of the scouting report, but they don't know how you're going to use him on a, a any given um, game. And so I like that adjustment from getting him involved early, which opens up the offense even more for the other receivers like Sam Brown, who's really, really stepped up over the last three weeks. He's looking like he could be a star in this receiving core for sure in the future. Only a redshirt freshman, a lot of time for him. And then um, Carter, uh, he's really stepped up. Last three games yep. as well, he's played really well with more um, snaps on the field. And so um, the skill position group uh, is really good. They've been the same all year. I think it's just different factors that we've talked about, which isn't allowed them to really flourish like they're flourishing now. But – Defensively, man, Donovan Mutant was flying around making tackles. And another point that you made that I agree with wholeheartedly, it was kind of concerning early on that they weren't stopping the run, although Batia is really good. But, you know, coming into the game, they got a backup quarterback, and you know their running back is as good as he is, especially as good as the game he had last year. You would think that the scouting report is to stop him. Right. They were doing, They were scheming some good ways to get him some running holes. So I got to give credit to their coaching staff as well. But – um, the defense made adjustment, and then they, they shut them down in the second half. And so uh, I'm really impressed with the adjustments that was being made on both sides of the ball. And that's part of it. That's part of being a good team. Make adjustments in-game, good in-game adjustments about what the opponent is doing. Stacey Sneed had two touchdowns, 10 carries for 60 yards, good cuts. On one of his touchdowns, Christian Trahan made a great block to allow yeah. and, and Stacey – Read it and cut inside. Got a good touchdown, easy touchdown, untouched there. Your comment about Tank Dell, the Cougs do a bit a good job of getting him the ball early and in different ways. Yeah. And mixing it up, giving him different looks, which we, not just us in media, fans as well early on, were pleading for the staff to mix it up and and get Tank the ball, you know, backfield reverses, screens, different things, and go deep. You got the best, one of the top wide receivers in college football, and you allowing opponents to scheme out of, out of games. No, 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 no. You got a if you're speed. an offensive genius, you need to get him the ball. Force you need to design plays to do that. Force feed him, and they're finally doing that, and it opens up everything else. I think Seven today other guys the longest catch, right? That, from, from I can remember, right, that has to be his longest catch of the season, that touchdown pass, because I don't think he's had anything deep. Yeah, that 52-yard touchdown pass, and it was a good throw. It wasn't perfect because Tank had to slow down just a little bit, but he was so open that he had plenty of time to adjust and catch it and get in the end zone for the touchdown. But it's good to talk about positives. It's good to be, well, Clayton's his pass wasn't perfect, but they won. (laughs) It's much better to say these things after a win instead of a loss. So once again, get ready to near the bottom half of the show before we play a commercial, courtesy of Star Pizza and Sac Ave. But Andy Yanez is still at TD ECU Stadium. He'll join when he can. He's probably still getting post-game comments from um, probably Clayton Toon. And kudos to Clayton Toon for hitting that 10,000 passing yards in his college career. But King, Stephen, Hill, Hiller, 
What are your thoughts about where Clayton Toon ranks in uh, among Houston Cougar quarterbacks? Let me ask you, Dayon. And I, we're we're young. Yeah. Who's who's the best quarterback in Houston Cougar history? I mean, you got to go with the Heisman Trophy winner. That's just off respect. Andre Weir, he has to be number one. Nobody's have has reached, has done what he has done. So he has to be number one. Um, then you go, I will, from what I, Case Keenum, too. Okay. Um, I'm asking you, what, do you think so? Was he better than David Klingler? I, 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 don't, I, don't, haven't seen, I didn't see much of him. So that's before my time. I'll lean on you for that. What, does he go before Case or what? I, I'll lean on you for that. Well, one. That's, that's a tough one. I, I mean, because Klingler had, he had Heisman hype okay. to start that season. Yeah. Case, I think, had a more success longer okay. than Klingler did. Oh, that's who? That's, mm. Case or, or David? I'll, I'd lean toward Case. Okay. So, Will Coase. So, David would be after that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what's that? Oh, we had Andre, Case, David. Do we go Kevin Cobb? Ahead of Clayton Toon? course <laughs> yeah okay so, so yeah okay that's four yeah i got greg ward ahead of clay okay too. all right there we that's five we just we'll just go five we'll just go five we'll go top five all right king says clayton is five number five all time uh hmm so uh king why do you say who who's your top five give me give me give us your top five steven i'm not sure his eye emoji when you say Greg Ward, what what is that for? You disagree or or you disagree about it? Because man, I don't know. Greg Ward, he got it done. He got lot. it done. He so, got it done. All right, we got Ti says Keenum, Ware, Klingler, Cobb, Ward, and Toon. So he agrees kind of with us. He, he's got case ahead of Andre. I don't know about that. That's based on Heisman alone. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Greg Ward, okay. Was Greg got, Ward ahead of in front of Cobb, so he don't have Cobb on there. So uh, yeah, Stephen, is Greg Ward ahead of Case and Andre? You got Ware, Keenum, Ward, Cobb, yeah. Toon. Yeah. So who so you don't have Klingler? King. Oh boy. Y'all need to go David Klingler's numbers, man. Because <laughs> he was college David Klingler was, was a hell of a quarterback. Pro David Klingler was not. <laughs> but college David Klingler was a very, very good quarterback. Yeah, it's hard for me for Toon because even De'Ari King's best is better than Clayton Toon's best at Houston. Okay, what do you think about that comment right there? Oh, hold up. Bottom of the hour, let me play the uh, commercial before Andy gets mad at me. We got to pay those bills. So let's got to pay the bills and make sure I get the right one here. Let's see. All right. Here we go with one of our sponsors, courtesy of Sac Ave. Thank you for calling Star Pizza. This is Tim. How am I helping you? This is D.A. Jones. I'm calling to order some pizza. Hey, Mr. Jones. Same order as last time? Same order as last time. Okay, and the delivery address? Man, we over on Sac Ave. Sac Avenue? Let me see if we even deliver there. We right here on your map. All right, we'll see you in about 45 minutes an hour. Hurry up. We hungry. I'm hungry, man. We eat the best pizza on site now. I'm okay, though. 
you know, I, I got to confess, it's been a minute since I've had some star pizza. So I'm going to have to do better on that and get some star pizza. But thanks very much to the sponsor. You see, the love that commercial with D. Jones and Sack Ave. Hoop and Holler, as you see on the screen, is secondary sponsor for Less Red Cougs. The primary sponsor is the Saxonian family. It's great to have Cougs helping Cougs on the show. Mm-hmm. These, these guys are and companies and people are doing their part to help Less Red Cougs continue and grow and prosper. So, all right, King says he's not that old. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, David Klingler, put, look, at, look, look up his numbers, and then we'll see you. But yeah, different era. Like I said, me, even me and Dayon are a different, different generation a little bit. So, but David Klingler was a hell of a quarterback in college. You know, true run and shoot. Him and Andre, uh, well, let it fly, man. Let it, let it fly. So, all right, but it's good. You got the comments there. I'm going to put this up here for the sponsor. The pizza is just the best. There you go, T.I. Thank you very much for that. So, but yes, talking about positivity after the Houston Cougars 42-27 homecoming win over South Florida. Oh, and I want to toss out there, the announced attendance today was 24,228. Dayon, I'm assuming that's tickets sold because (laughs) I feel pretty certain there was not 24,000 folks inside the stadium. Which is disappointing because it's, it's Cougs football. You know, it's, it's homecoming. Support our alma mater. But, let's see, I was going to say it, Stephen, but he put it out there. Felt like 10,000 people there. I mean, and it, it looked bad on TV. I say it again. On some of those deep passes, touchdown passes, when the ball went into the end zone and the camera angles show the upper deck. There was no one there. No one there. And here's another concern. Student section. I've never seen so few students in the student section. Why is that? That's homecoming. Yeah. They are all outside having fun, doing things they can't do inside the stadium. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, that's, I like that answer. I like that. I hope that's the case rather than lack of marketing or anything else, but I hope that's the case. Um, because, and I'll say this, now that it's over, the Cougs basketball, Duke scrimmage was on campus at Fertitta Center, same time as the football game. But security, y'all couldn't go watch the game anyway, the scrimmage anyhow if you tried, because security was so tight. But, and I think what of the final quote-unquote score, the Cougs won the scrimmage, uh, whatever. But, you know, they won the scrimmage. Marcus Sass and Jamal Shedd were the best players for Houston. We'll probably hear more from Coach Sampson about that on Tuesday at his next media availability to discuss the scrimmage, the not-so-secret scrimmage between Houston Cougars men's hoops and Duke men's basketball. Oh. How about this right here comment? Out of all the UHQBs, if I could pick only one to drive me down against the best D of all time to save my life is Greg Ward. Oh. That's a youngster talking right there. <laughs> That's somebody young talking right there. Because I'm showing my age. Andre Ware in the Southwest Conference. Back then, Southwest Conference was a hell of a conference. And I remember Andre going against Texas A&M and the Wrecking Crew. And those defenses were just insane. Andre took beating after beating after beating and stood tall. So... Different folks, different strokes, but it's good conversation. It's good to have quarterbacks w- with success 
in history talk about that because I'm pretty sure there are some older alums who will say Danny Davis as quarterback, you know. So, but we're all generations. We have our favorites, people we saw, you know, directly. So just keep that in mind. But once again, the Cougs got the win today to approve to three and one in the American 42-27 over South Florida in front of a announced crowd of 24,228. So, <clears throat> all right, Andy Rick and I adding the, the uh, Clayton Toon clip. So once we get that, we'll play that and hear from comments from Mr. 10,000 yards passing. I think he crossed over, what's the graphic? Last graphic was like 11,000, right? Mm-hmm, yep. So get the comments from Clayton Toon here in a second. We'll get here from Clayton Toon. And it looks like it's ready. So let's pull up and listen to comments from one of the newest members of the 10,000 passing yards club, Houston Cougars quarterback, Clayton Toon. Big games. Clayton, after the last two games and the fourth quarter against Memphis, do you feel like this offense is kind of uh, just turning the corner to where you want to be for the rest of the AAC play? Yeah, no doubt. Um, it all started, like you said, with the Memphis game. I feel like that was a huge confidence boost for us because we felt like um, we hadn't been playing up to our standard up to that point. Um, so being able to find a way to win that game at the end and um, you know, it was huge for our um, just momentum as an offense and we just continued to build on it um, with the game last week against Navy and then today. Um, I felt like we played as clean and as confident as we played all year and so that's that's the trend. We, wish, we, we want to continue to move in that direction and, and play as clean as possible. So does uh, two touchdowns get you out of having to go shopping for Tank Dale's birthday? <laughs> Uh, I hope so. I don't know. Tanks, he was, uh, it was funny. He, he knows how many yards he's got during the game, which is kind of funny. So he was at 99. And he was like, come on. He's like, come on. I need one catch. Give me one catch. And so I was just joking with him. I was like, nah, man, it's, you're, you're staying at 99. But um, for him to have 100 yards and two touchdowns hopefully gets me out the hook. <laughs> that, that sounds like Tank, stuff Tank would say. <laughs> so, it's all good. Those are comments from Clayton Toon. Andy Yanez is, is wrapping up post game at TD ECU Stadium, and he'll join us momentarily here on Let's Rage Cougs as we discuss me, Chris Gardner, and Darren Dunlap discuss the Houston Cougars' 42-27 win over South Florida today at home, homecoming. Everybody eight. Clayton Toon, 31 for 37, 380 yards passing, four TDs. Tinkdale two TDs, Stacey Sneed, two TDs, production from everybody, eight different uh, receivers caught the ball. Put it up there, right there doing this segment, which is still sponsored by Hoop and Holler Houston. You see the numbers right there. Tangdale, nine receptions for 112 yards, two touchdowns. Keyshawn Carter, seven receptions for 102, one TD. Sam Brown, six receptions for 80 yards. Peyton Sawyer. Three receptions, got typo there. Three receptions to 40 yards, one touchdown. And again, Stacy Sneed, 10 carries, 60 yards, two TDs. So mm-hmm. production from a lot of folks. Good to see. Good to see the offense getting it together, starting to click, starting to gel at the right time as the, the season winds down. But were you what are your thoughts on what Clayton Toon said just about his, his posting and comments about the offense gelling, getting better, clicking? What do you think? What, what do you think about what he said? Uh, I think he's being honest. I think they are gelling. I think the chemistry 
Um, between all the receivers is on point. I think you you can tell now. I think Clayton's more confident, which breeds more confidence for throughout the entire um, offense, along with the play calling. I think they all now are united at the hip on what this team does well and what they need to do to be successful offensively in a game-to-game basis. And so um, – I think they are gelling well. I think on all assets, starting up front with the offensive line, they're creating holes for running backs as well as giving Clay time to throw the football, which it starts up front with them. And so they've been playing well. And so overall, um, I think the offense is it, finally clicking, um, to use that term. I think they finally turned that corner. And I expect to see the offense that we've seen over these last – two games and a half a game going forward for the rest of the season. I, I, I think uh, they know the recipe for success in regards to offensive production. Agreed. And as long as they stay aggressive in the play calling, they should be fine. The next game, next Saturday at SMU, 6 p.m. Central Time, that game is going to be on NFL Network. So – Kind of different exposure for both programs. Houston SMU game, 6 p.m. on the NFL Network. So we shall see how, if the firepower on offense continues for the for the Cougs, SMU is going to try to really salvage their season and beat the Cougs and try to claim to be the best team in Texas in the conference and send the Cougs to Big 12 with a loss. And the Cougs are going to try to maintain their chances of. Uh, being in the AAC championship game. So we should see about that. We got folks kind of fired up about the uh, best quarterback in Houston Cougar history, which is a good thing. But I like this comment from Stephen Hiller. The fact that it's a hard question says a lot about how great our university is at quarterback. That's true. There's a lot of great quarterbacks to, to decide. Look at look, my man got a jacket on. Look at that. They aren't trying to be like you, man. Oh, man, he big time. Yeah, look at that. You know, and it's sharp. Not as good looking, though. Oh, <laughs> we lost him. I guess the TV reception, the Wi-Fi is not cooperating here because Andy's just frozen time right there. So let's, let's keep on talking. But, uh, you yeah. know. That quarterback history, remember, let's talk about it. Remember the, well, now, let's just stay positive. We'll, we'll stay positive. Okay, let's see if I can get this, this one off here. There we go. Oh, there's two. I don't know where there are two of me. Hey, guys, how's it going? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, sound, sound fine, man. Yep. We're fine. Perfect. Looks like. All right. And Justin's joining us as well. Yeah, he is. Really? He has. There we go. There he is. <laughs> like he just came from the ground, from the earth. The just ground. popped up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is Let's Rage Coods, where we have doors all over the place across KDSU Stadium. But joining off the heels, the Houston Cougars have won their third straight game in a row. They're taking care of business. You guys against South Florida this time. Houston was victorious 42-27. to um, Quarterback Clayton Toon, which I'm sure you guys have touched on already, how the performance that he had. Um, and I, I caught a 10 end of it, but yeah, Clayton Toon is, do, is doing what he's supposed to do. And that's, I mean, excel against teams that – to be quite frank, they're not there um, when it comes to where Houston is at from a talent perspective, in my opinion. Clayton Toon, he finished the game with 380 passing yards. He had four touchdowns, which is going back to that fourth quarter against Memphis. 
Clayton Kuhn has thrown 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, and over uh, over 700 passing yards. I don't think he's been able to get to that 800 passing yards, but, I mean, Clayton Kuhn has been on another level since that Memphis game. Um, and in regards to the offense, running back Stacy Sneed, he's kind of, kind of had a bit of a coming out party the past two games. Yeah, he rushed for 100 yards last week against Navy this year. I mean, this game, he rushed for 60 yards, but he had two touchdowns. And the birthday boy, Tank Dell, man, he had a, one heck of a game. He's had two touchdowns, over 100 receiving yards. Um, but where where do you guys want to start after the post-game uh, reaction? Let's, let's uh, see if Justin can can give a comment. It's like you be trying to adjust the volume. So Justin, he's got comment. We're going to bring you in. Hey, Ready? guys, I can hear you now. All right, great. What are your thoughts what, what you saw today inside the stadium? I saw a lot better offense. Uh, basically almost a complete game. A big game from Clayton Toon and Tank Dell had a big game. And saw Keyshawn Carter almost had 100 yards as well. I mean, really, really spread the ball around across the field with different receivers. Saw Payne Sawyer get a touchdown catch and a big game from uh, Stacy Sneed. I mean, just really a complete game of offense. But uh, on defensive side, he struggled against a run in the first half, able to adjust and able to stop uh, Batty and uh, <clears throat> and Marsh really on that ground game. But overall, great offensive game. I'm glad you're able to adjust in the second half on defense. Now to add on to what Justin said from a negative perspective, and this is something that Dana Horgerson touched on at post game during during his availability, but. The penalties, they reared their ugly head once again for Houston after they were heading in the right direction. Last week, they had their best game of the season in regards to penalties where they only had four go against them. They were accepted. Well, this week against USF, they had they committed 10 penalties again, which going back, that is now five games across the entire season where they've had at least 10 penalties. Um, obviously, they opened the season where they had four straight in a row to open the season where they committed 10 or more penalties, so they did that again. 95 yards, again, and they were able to overcome overcome those penalties, and for the most part, they clearly were the most talented team on the field um, today against South Florida, but that's something to keep an eye on, especially um, arguably what could be their, their remaining toughest challenge. I think you got to throw up at East Carolina up there too, but next week they got to go. Hey, King Josh, I appreciate that. Dressing up nice for homecoming. I've gotten good, good. Uh, sorry, I, I just went on a tangent because I saw King Josh's comment. <laughs> um, and apparently, I had someone say that I look like Miami Vice with the color. I've gotten some, uh, some interesting uh, buzz. But anyways, I, I digress. In regards to those penalties, um, that's going to be something they have to clean up on the road against SMU. That's always a tough play, uh, place to play for Houston in the last few seasons. It's, it's honestly, it, it's been going back a few seasons. It's been a bit of a nightmare at times um, playing up at SMU. So that's going to be something they clean up. Um, but I mean, hold, hold, hold on, Andy, real quick. On. Hold on, real quick, real quick. Did anybody was there an Andy Cam today? There was not because I spent the entire time on the press box. So unless someone snuck in whenever I was walking across TD East Stadium, there was not an Andy Cam. And I, we don't, we're not trying fail. to start that. See, yeah, that's a fail because of you're so you're dressed so sharp. We got to do. I got to talk to my inner circle. We got to do a better job to get some Andy Cam po- pictures going because I know you hate it. So that's the reason why we're going to do it. So listen, oh, look forward to it. Look forward to it. Uh, coming soon. 
and also the weather too it's nice i mean it, it feels it's i would probably guess it's somewhere between the high 60s low 70s so it feels nice it's you know it's not overdressed so just walking across campus is nice Twenty-four thousand people announced attendance yeah did y'all think that was um, close to accurate <laughs> inside the stadium oh Justin, I'll let you take it first, but we talked about it. We were talking about it in the press box. I would probably say more, maybe around maybe 19, 20,000. Well, yeah, I, mean, I would I would agree too. And they, they were not uh, an upper and, deck, that's it, for sure. <laughs> and yeah, no, absolutely. Though, though, I mean, and even the South Florida fans, they did not have a showing come up what we were talking about. Usually the, the opposing fans have like their own little corner towards the, the end zone. Um, I'm not sure what direction that end zone is, but um, I mean, South Florida fans weren't really that many here. And then, I mean, the student section wasn't as packed, which I mean, it might be uh, after effects of the World Series, game one of the World Series with the way how the Astros, um, that game went and they kind of uh, choked their way in the game one of the World Series. Maybe some people just didn't want to come out. But it's homecoming, Andy. Justin's homecoming. Gotta support alma mater. I thought the student section was okay, like for an 11 a.m. game. <laughs> well, I would say it was probably about half full, in regards maybe a little bit over for the student section. So, mm. they right, didn't well, really have that many homecoming festivities. After well, they announced obviously the homecoming king and queen, but outside of that, I mean, it's just another. Maybe it was just from my perspective, but it just seemed like another game outside of the halftime thing. All right, guys, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, well, let me comment on this right here from King. <clears throat> if the scrimmage between Duke and Houston men's basketball were open, there probably wouldn't be nobody at football game. Because <laughs> everybody would have been trying to get into Petita Center. So. Yeah, uh, that, I would, yeah, that that would have been interesting, and that's a what if. That I mean, we probably don't want to put the two programs against each other, but that that is a that's a very interesting question. But I'm going to uh, shut it down. I got other things to take care of. But Andy, Justin, great job. Dan, great job as well. Uh, Coos won, 42-27. They improved to five and three overall, three and one in the conference. Get ready for SMU. So you guys continue to have a good show, Andy. You're doing great things on Less Rage Cougs. And I think I'll see you tomorrow on Folks Talking Sports. Yes, sir. The Folks Talking Sports on the uh, – it's going to be a travel day for the Astros, so no excuse. We're not We're not going to be competing against the World Series. Guys, take care. Thanks, Bye, Chris. Rich. Thank you. All right, uh, Dayon, in regards to um, your guy Clayton Tunek, quarterback, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but I, I, it's interesting – I, I was catching a, a, a snippet of whenever I was uploading the clip and I heard, I can't remember, I, I believe it was you, but you said, you know, how Clayton Toon does well against, you know, opponents he's supposed to, which he did that again today. You just fell under 400 passing yards. But, I mean, what were, what were your overall thoughts on uh, the quarterback? He played well. I think he looked like I expected him to look throughout the entire season. That's what I expected from Clayton early in the season against tougher opponents, a uh, fifth-year quarterback, the way he looked accurate, confident, decisive. Um, everything that you, you would think that he would look like being how 
um, as long as he's been at Houston in in this system. And so I got I give him credit to it. He, he played well. He he plays well against teams that aren't as good as um, other opponents we play. To put it that way, <laughs> but um, I gotta give him credit. He he played well, and I think the offense was they play complimentary. I think the play calling is better, more aggressive. The running game has been consistent. The offensive line have done a good job of playing holes for Snead, and like over his last few games, he's played really well. And so, um, I, I think Clayton. I think the comment from Hogerson that said is Clayton has been playing the same way all year. I don't know about that. But over these last few games, Clayton has been playing like I expected him to play consistently throughout the entire season. Yeah, absolutely. And Justin, I'll toss it over to you in a second. But I don't know if you guys have mentioned it, but Clayton Toon did make some Houston history in this game against South Florida. He passed. He now becomes only the third quarterback in in Houston Cougars history to have over 10,000 passing yards. I mean, that was a full milestone after the game. We were told that Dana Hogerson gave Toon a football and it had the, the number 10,000 um, in it. So just a cool moment for him uh, to be able to, I mean, be among literally an exclusive list. Just him, Case Keenum, and, and Justin, who was the, the other quarterback? I don't want to butcher his last name. Kevin uh, Kevin Cobbs. Yes, sir. Kevin. So... Um, we raised, question, we raised a question um, to our audience, and we got some good feedback on the top five quarterbacks in, in Houston Cougars history. I gave my top five, and we got some good feedback. Well, interesting from you guys. Where's Clayton Toon rank um, amongst the Houston greats? Yeah, that I, I saw that debate going, and that's that's tough. I think I think you you. Well, I, mean, I can't even decide who to put one. you got to put Andre Ware and Case Keenum as your one and, and two. The, those two, I think the debate, you could have Andre Ware at one because he's won the Heisman. But obviously, of course, Case Keenum has all the, the records, it seems like, when it comes to the Houston Cougars program. So I think those two are 1A and 1B as someone rides off with an ATV in the background. Um, then after that, Greg Ward, I don't know if you put him at three, but he's had a good – I mean, he had a good one. Obviously, he's the, the only quarterback in, in recent history to win a conference championship with Houston. Um, and then behind those three, and this is obviously tr- talking recently, I can't go too far um, in regards to, to as much in the past for Houston Cougars history, but I made I, I heard you make the argument that you think the peak of the Eric King is better than, than what Clayton Tunes put. And... Yes. I, I, I think that argument is there to be had, but I think Clayton Toon, when it comes to the longevity standpoint, he might he might trump him in that aspect. I think you could put him there at four or five, just in regards to and certainly much more of the recent quarterbacks. But obviously you have Andre Ware and Case Keenum as one and two, in my opinion. What say you, Justin? Yeah, I'll probably, uh, probably have Andre Ware, number one, and maybe Case Keenum, number two. Number three is a tough one because uh, I would probably put Greg Ward just from what he accomplished here, especially with the Peach Bowl and everything and the conference championship. And number four, uh, might have to go maybe David Klingler, and I'll probably put uh, Kevin Cobb number five, bringing a conference championship back in 2006. But I would maybe put Clayton Toon maybe around number like maybe six 
in the seven area. I probably put him like talent wise, I put him behind Derek King. I mean, I think Derek King, you know, only had a couple years to show, but you know, wasn't really that good of a coaching staff with Major Applewhite, and of course, won it out once uh, Hogerson came here with the red shirting stuff. But talent wise, I would put Derek King over two, but uh, just for longevity, yeah, I'd, just UH history wise, I'd put uh, Tune over King. <clears throat> And yep. that's an interesting argument to be had. No, I'm just saying, yep, I agree with you guys. And so, not kind of switching over from an offensive perspective, um, defensively, Houston's defense was able to kind of shake off that. That uh, really, it was they. They were struggling in the first quarter. They allowed USF, in particular, on the ground to do to give them a lot of problems. And obviously, heading into the game, uh, Dana Horgerson and even Doug Belk had mentioned how they were going to be really the the main focus was going to be to try to limit. Uh, Brian Batty for for USF and and what he was able to do against Houston last season. He had those three total touchdowns. He had two on kickoff returns, which by the way, Houston Holgerson said they were going to focus on kickoff returns. He wasn't kidding about that. They didn't really give USF a chance to to be able to change the game with with the special teams play. Um, But Brian by himself, I mean, he had a pretty good game. He had two touchdowns. Um, especially in, in when it, going back to that first quarter, he rushed for over 100 yards for the game. And like I said, he had two touchdowns. Michael Dukes, he had a, a decent moment. He also scored a touchdown. But after that first quarter, they were able to turn it around. And really, USF scored 14 in the first quarter. They scored 14 the rest of the way. And, and uh, no, 13 the rest of the way because they went for two and, and didn't convert. But obviously, in, in that last touchdown that they got came at the very end of the game when, when it was out of reach. So, uh, big props to the defense for being able to turn it around. And uh, defensive back Tabo Minwaniki, I apologize if I butchered that lane, but he, he was made available to reporters after the game. Um, by the way, he had a heck of a, a game himself. He had 12 total tackles. He was at one point where he had five straight tackles uh, making up plays for the Houston defense. Um, but he talked about how when it comes to that mindset of the, of the defense, um, being able to shake it off, being able to be – uh, obviously, the old cliche in sports, especially when it comes to football on the defense, being able to bend but not break. And that's something that the Houston defense was able to do after that uh, first quarter turning around and have a short-term memory, put the first quarter behind them. And it's a testament to where that mindset of the defense is. It's something they were able to do just um, a couple games ago when they played Memphis, where similarly they scored two touchdowns in the first quarter and they held them to field goals the rest of the way. Yep, the, the defense that made those adjustments early. And I, I like to say that they're running back South Florida, Biddy, um, he reminds me of Darren Sproles. Man, he has a ton of talent. And I know he was one of the, at the top of the scouting report for Houston, but you got to give credit to the way they were able to scheme him holes and get him in open space, allow him to be effective early. And then Houston starting up front, they was able to kind of dominate the trenches. So the secondary tackle was back-to-back games where Houston has tackled really, really well and not really allowed any explosive plays. And so kudos to um, Doug Belk. Great job again for another week of adjustments and his defense coming out to perform. Sack Av was active today. They made a ton of plays in the secondary. They pretty much really didn't give up anything. A couple of throws down, a couple of throws, but they played lights out. Yeah, the longest play of the game for USF was just a, a 37-yard play, which, again, I mean, 
it, it's a pretty big chunk point, but again, being able in particular, um, going back to, to what Dabo said in regards to bending but not breaking, there was a couple of times where they were able to shut down USF from, from being able to score at all and stopping them on fourth down where they were able to come up big, like you said, Saka has. Uh, making a couple of uh, big plays. By the way, shout out to Doc, who, you know, heading into the week, they talked about how he kind of does the 30-man job just in terms of not necessarily getting that attention on the stat sheet. Well, he came up and he got a sack in this game. So uh, major props to him. Uh, Justin, before or before we toss it over, I wanted to play the Dana Horton clip just one more time in, in case for, for those that might just be joining. But before we do that, I do want to give a shout out to Hoopin Hall of Houston, Houston Sports Micro Collective for being a sponsor on this episode of Let's Rage Coops. And also, of course, a major uh, shout out to our primary sponsor in the Saxinian family. Um, and don't go anywhere because you're going to hear Dana Holgerson again, just in case if you weren't or just if you're just joining the show, haven't heard it before. Here's what Dana Holgerson has to say after this. Starts up front. Uh, for the third week in a row, I thought we've played better. You know, I was critical of those guys earlier in the year. Uh, we we can't get anything going if they're not if they're not doing uh, their job. So you know, it starts there. Tight ends included. When it comes to that, just blocking people, sustaining blocks, giving them time to uh, to throw, and then routes developing, gaining confidence with guys that are in the right spots at the right times to make plays downfield. So it, I, it, he's playing the same. Our offense is gelling around him. You know, so, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, I just gave him a game ball that had 10,000 yards on it, right? I mean, you know, I coached Case when, when I was here the first time, and to have him in the same same uh, conversation as Case Keenum and Kevin Cobb, you know, I mean, we're not talking about Andre Ware and David Klingler because they didn't, they didn't stack the years, you know, that that those guys did. But uh, it, it's awesome to, to, to see that because he's very deserving of what he's accomplished over the last as a quarterback guy, I mean, 10,000 yards is not chunk change by any means. I mean, is that, when you look at that number, uh, I mean, it's longevity, you know, you play a lot, but he's also had a lot of success. Yeah, I mean, I've coached a few good ones, so, you know, those, you know he, he's, he's in that same conversation. I don't want to go back and start talking, comparing him and all that stuff, Nick, fair to anybody, but he's playing really well, and he's getting some credit that he deserves in our conference player of the week the last two weeks. Uh, these stats here are better than they were the last couple of weeks, so maybe I get it three times in a week. But uh, very deserving of the recognition that's coming into play right now. A couple more. Yeah, Dana, going into the week, you were talking about just special teams, especially kickoff, obviously didn't let anything lose. Did you see that sort of improvement that you were wanting to see from kickoff coverage in terms of Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing happened that was detrimental to our team, you know. So uh, Keyshawn made a great play at the end of the game, you know, the – on that handstand, that's a hard play to make right there. I, I thought it was a flag. The guy can't hit him. He's supposed to be protected. But, um, <clears throat> you know, but yeah, we, we did a good job. I mean, we kicked the ball well. Um, we punted. We, we covered well. These guys are extremely dangerous. Some of the best in the country, and we handled it well. One more. They started. They started coming back. I mean, I, I don't understand why you throw flags at the end of the game when we got second, third, team people in there. We're just trying to run the game out. Uh, there's a couple of stupid things that happened that hasn't that hasn't showed up in a month. So I gotta go start talking about it again. So we'll coach it hard. Uh, I thought we've done a good job of coaching and cleaning up some technique stuff. Uh, there's there's dumb stuff that happened again. Well, we will address it and hopefully improve on it next week. Once again, that was head coach Dana Holgerson 
And on that note, before we move on, if you'd like to sponsor Dana Homerson's clip on future shows and specifically regarding future home game shows, be sure to reach us out at let's at gmail.com. On that note, we heard Dana Homerson touch uh, some of the stuff that we already talked about in regards to the penalties. Um, one player, and Dale, this is for you in particular because uh, going back to that quarterback, quarterback situation, um, we had talked about it a week ago when after the Navy game, the TV broadcast had mentioned how um, they were kind of shocked that they didn't, they didn't see Lucas Cooley in the game this last week against Navy. Well, he went into the game in particular to, to today and today's game against South Florida. Had a couple of passes. I mean, obviously, it's nothing that's going to catch your, your eyeballs' attention, but just to being able to see him in the game, that's huge. Justin, um, what are your thoughts on not only Lucas being in the game, but anything else that stuck out to you from today's game? Yeah, it was good experience for Lucas Cooley. He actually had a really good run, too, but unfortunately, it was uh, called for a hold. But, you know, yeah. he uh, showed some flashes, and I'm definitely excited to see him for next season. <clears throat> Yeah, same as Justin. Um, you can see the explosiveness. You can see that it, um, that he's our, he can run the football. And so it, it really was just good to see him, honestly. I mean, we did mm-hmm. small sample size. You know, he had a fumble in which Coach Holmes and coached that up. And but otherwise, it was really just good to see him, see his athleticism, see what he looks like out there in a cool uniform. And so um, I, I was hoping that we got up a larger margin of it till we'd be able to see him early enough for maybe a full drive or two. But um, it was good to at least see him and get the acknowledgement with clarity that, that he's the backup. I don't know if it, if it's official, but it, it seemed to me he, he was the second quarterback off the bench. And so um, that was good to know. Must be doing well in practice. For sure. I mean, that's that's honestly down. Like, you, you hit it right on the head in, in regards to the main takeaway from that. So. That'd be certainly something interesting to follow up um, heading into the season throughout training camp and even throughout the season. Homer Center been talking about how home and Edwards was the backup, so we saw Lucas today, and obviously that's a lot of excitement for the future. But sticking with this season as we wrap things up, we're going to look ahead to SMU. And Justin, I'm going to toss it over to you first. What is, what is one takeaway that, that or one takeaway or one thing that concerns you, something that Houston needs to look forward to? when they face off SMU at SMU next week, November 5th? Uh, just, probably just a complete defensive game. I mean, they struggled with the run in the first half and able to adjust, but um, mainly my big thing is just they got the offensive rolling and really just you know clean up some spots of the defense and penalty, and we should be okay. And Dan, what say you? Concerns, I would say – they're going to face a more potent passing attack with better receivers. But um, I don't know, maybe stopping the run as well. I think you want to make SMU one-dimensional. You don't want to allow them to be balanced, which would make their passing attack even more um, efficient and prolific because uh, Mordecai can throw it. And they're going to be looking for that get back, knowing how Houston won last year. And so that would be my concern. But one thing um, that I would look for Houston to come up is continue with these good starts back to back weeks for the officers scored on yeah. the opening drive, which I think builds confidence for their group overall to continue to execute. So I think that's another key for um, offensively to kind of get out to a good start. Yeah, that's a great point, Dayon. For back to first time, back to back week that they've scored uh, two or more touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, they weren't 
leading after this first quarter. They were tied at 14 last week. Obviously, of course, they were leading against Memphis, but I mean, against Navy. But overall, they had only prior to these back two weeks that they've done it back to back. They had only done it once all season, and it came all the way back in week three against Kansas. But I agree with you guys. I think the other thing that, that from a positive standpoint for Houston, a couple things. One, obviously, and we've kind of hit on this for the past two weeks uh, as well, but Keyshawn Carter, Samuel Brown, once again, they step up big to, to help uh, tank. And in particular, Keyshawn Carter, in this game, he had 102 receiving yards. He had the touchdown, but Sam Brown wasn't too far behind him with 86 yards. And uh, just what Dana Hungerson said this past Monday leading into this game, certainly seems like Clayton Toon has a lot of confidence in those guys and they continue to produce. So that's that's obviously uh, a good step in the right direction for Houston. And then again, when it comes to the running back, um, the running backs group, Stacey Sneed, like I mentioned when I first joined, he had 60 rushing yards. He had two touchdowns. Um, those are actually his two first college career touchdowns ever in this. Um, I mean, in his young career, he's a retro freshman. Um, but Brandon Campbell, we saw him get a couple of carries. Dana Hoverson said that it was much better than he did uh, last week against Navy. Obviously, he had that fumble. Um, in regards to Tajon Henry, that's going to be a name to watch because Dana Hoverson said uh, he they expect him to be back at some point this season. They're not exactly sure whether it will be this upcoming game against SMU. I mean, this past Monday, he said you might even be able to see him against USF. Obviously, that did not happen, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Cruise. Once again, we'd like to thank each and every single one of you that took the time to be able to watch that, uh, communicate with us, whether it was on the live YouTube chat. So we're going to go around. Justin, where can people find you, sir? What's up, guys? You can find me at jbarbosapxp on Twitter. And Dayan, where can people find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Dayan. Don't let follow me and um, check out what I have going on. Appreciate another good week of huge celebrating a victory and can't eat an episode without saying go Cougs. Absolutely. Three in a row. They'll look to make it four in a row next week against SMU. Quick reminder. Uh, if you're watching on the Houston Rock Review YouTube channel or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go over to our YouTube channel, the Spotify Majama YouTube channel. Be sure to give us a subscription. It really helps us out. We are now over 410. We're on the road to 1,000, and that's going to do it. So thank you guys once again.